the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or estate law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. Call him now at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622 and Ask the Lawyer. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, horses Hey, welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. For those of you who don't know about this show, the show is divided in two parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going to court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. And by the way, you know, I'm I am Mike Connors. I'm the guy who started Connors and Sullivan a little over 35 years ago. Uh, the second part of the show, we talk about politics, history, religion, nostalgia. Today, we're going to be talking uh, a little bit about religion or the service to the poor. We're going to be talking to some members of the Little Sisters of the Poor. And, of course, their name comes off up a lot. And, of course, they were the lead plaintiff in the case against the Obamacare uh, system, and they won their part of the case. So... We're going to be talking to a couple of the members of the Little Sisters and their poor, and Bob Pape, their spokesman. Also, we have one of my favorite football players from the past, Burgess Owens. Burgess Owens was uh, number one draft pick for the Jets in the early 1970s. And, you know, right now he's kind of on a crusade, and he's not too fond of Nike's contract with Colin Kaepernick. So God bless him. You know, he's trying to do the best thing he can. And, you know, he was a very good football player, but he's trying hard, very hard right now to make this world a better place. And I really have a a lot of admiration for Burgess Owens because he's not afraid to be unpopular. Now, if anybody has a a question to ask, if you're listening to the Saturday night show on 970 The Answer, our phones are open right now. The phone number is one 866 Nine seven zero nine six two two one eight six six nine seven zero nine six two two. Now, this past week we did our seminars in Queens, and we were at uh, in Bayside at the Adria yesterday, and there was a tremendous crowd there, crowds there, and you know we had some rain problems at uh, Lenny's, so we didn't have that big a crowd. We've got we've got one phone call coming in, and you know my eyes are starting to trick me. Who is it, James? Okay. We have a phone call on there? All right. You listen to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. What do you got to say? Hi. Hello. This is Frank from uh, from Rockaway. Rockaway. Okay. What are you doing hello. in Rockaway? Yeah, you know, live out here. Uh, my sister, uh, she's over in uh, Rigo Park with my mom. My mom just uh, recently got into a nursing home, and we had, uh, you know, she helped my mom do the, the uh, application with the uh, social worker, and uh, we ran into a little bit of a snag, though. Uh, when, when they were doing it, um, they didn't do anything with the house. The house is still in my mom and my dad's name, and uh, one of my friends was telling me that uh, I could really, uh, they, they could uh, end up charging us for the whole thing with the nursing home. Well, that's that, that's a good part true, because if when mom passes away, the deed to the house is in her name alone, well, then guess what? Medicaid, who's maybe paying her nursing home bill, is going to put a lien on the house. And that's one of the problems we're having a little bit today. Every once in a while, applications are being made by um, independent social workers, and they're not going through the all the legal ramifications. You know, for, for instance, yes, 
You know, it's a common thing. You can apply for Medicaid. We're, we're not going to take away your home, no, but they're going to put a lien on the house after you're gone. And some other cases, you know, sometimes you need to do some estate planning. We Husbands on nursing and they're going to a nursing home. We switch the assets from husband to wife. Well, that, that's good. And then the wife has a will, an old will from 20 years ago, where she leaves everything to her husband. Then she dies, and the entire situation gets screwed up. Uh, if, if you're going to apply for nursing home Medicaid, I strongly recommend you talk to an attorney because you want to get things right. And, you know, and, and don't think that every attorney has the same level of expertise. You know, I always say this at a, a seminar or whatever, but if you're going to get divorced, don't ask me a question. I don't know anything about it. You all right out there, Frank? All right out there, Frank. I'm, uh, it sounds good. It sounds good. Uh, okay. one, one question, though. Uh, uh, can, can we do something right now? Can we, uh, like, my, my, my dad did pass away, and, I mean, it's still in my, my mom's name. Can we, can we do something with the deed? Or oh, yeah, we can, always, we can always do something with the deed. If your mom just went into a nursing home, they haven't put a lien. And technically, they can't put a lien on a house until... Uh, mom dies as long as she expresses an intent to return home but yeah we don't want that house to be sitting duck for nursing home bills we want to put that house in a trust or something but in some way get it out of mom's name did, did your sister live in the house with your mom oh uh, yeah yeah exactly okay. she, All right. she lived with my mom that's why she did everything you know okay well, well that that that's our uh our saving grace so we can if you can work with your sister and your oh. mom we can we can save that house Oh, wow, that's awesome. All right, so. Really good news. Thank you. All right, Frank, thanks for the call. All right, you know. Yeah, and, and like I said, that's that's one of the problems sometimes. When, you, when you're doing some of this thing, it's not as simple as it may seem. The first answer may be simple, but there's the second, the third, the fourth answer. You know, yeah, we can, you know, mom can go in a nursing home. She doesn't have to change the deed over, but when if she passes away, the the deed is in her name alone. Medicaid can put a lien on it, and, and here's where some people make a mistake. You got a husband and wife. The husband's going to a nursing home. We switch the deed over to the wife's name. That's fine. First step is good, but then wife dies, has a will that leaves everything to dad. Dad's in a nursing home, and all the planning we've done has been thrown out the window and has been screwed up. Because nobody really looked at the situation. When you're doing a plan, you got to look at every angle. You got to look at taxes. You got to look at uh, probate, avoiding probate. You have to look at the consequences if this happens, if that happens. I give an example. I know a lot of people in the past, I don't think it's being done as much now, that used to do some of these plans and they would, you know, make a mother or father eligible for Medicaid and cost the family $200,000, $300,000 in capital gains taxes. Now, what's the point of saving $100,000 in a nursing home bill to pay two hundred to $300,000 in capital gains taxes? A good plan looks at everything. You look at the tax consequences. You look at you know, what may happen to the husband, what may happen to the wife. And you, some people say to me, well, how can you think of all these things? Because we do it a 1,000 times a year, and you're not going to be the first case we're talking about. And, and, and when you do it enough, it becomes kind of simple. Now, before the show started, James, you were talking about with your grandparents the the difference between a the the different options: home care, assisted living, and nursing home. Correct? Yeah, uh, they went through almost everything, and I was just curious what the, maybe the best option is, or um, as far as what Medicaid takes care of. Okay, well, the, the first option I think in most cases should be home care Medicaid. Home care Medicaid. Uh, the good thing about that in New York, there is no look-back period. And by New York, I mean New York State. There's no look-back period of home care Medicaid in New York. In other words, you put your assets in a trust today, if you literally put it in today, you can apply for home care Medicaid on October 1st, the first day of the month following the transfer. If you put it in October, you could apply November 1st. Home care Medicaid pays for home equipment, supplies, home attendance to keep your relative out of a nursing home. There are a lot of good programs in New York to keep your out of, relative out of a nursing home. Nursing home Medicaid, you got you got to go through the five-year look-back period. They're exempt transfers and everything else. But that's always tough because, you know, you got five years. But one of the things between husband and wife, you can always switch assets between husband and wife and get one of them on nursing home Medicaid within a few months. So that's one option. Assisted living, one good thing about community Medicaid, home care Medicaid, is that there may be, there's not that many, but there may be 20 
assisted living facilities in New York City that take Medicaid. And the great part about that, they only bill you your Social Security and your pension. So that's a good option. Again, there are only about 20 of them. Most assisted livings are private pay, and you've got to pay six, seven, eight thousand dollars $8,000 a month. And one of the problems I have with assisted living is when you run out of money, they'll kick you out. Now, they're not going to dump you out on the street, and they're going to help try to place you somewhere else. But that is one of the problems with, uh, with assisted living. The bill just keeps coming in, and if you run out of money, you've got to look for a new place. But if you want to talk about those options some more, anybody out in the audience, you can give us a call at Connors & Sullivan, 718-238-6500. Now we're going to take a short break, and we'll continue the conversation. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death, and it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website. Site, connorsandsullivan.com. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got a question for Mike? Call him at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Okay, well, welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hey, everybody. Now, in uh, about 10 days, we got the next Civil War Roundtable meeting. And, of course, the last meeting was Ed Bars. And he I, stayed with our, with us in the, our home again, and it was so nice to see him. Well, was, he's different. <laughs> he's wonderful. I know. I, I hope, I, from, I sincerely hope that we do not bore our wonderful listeners out there talking about Mr. Bars all the time. But he, I wish you all could get to know him. He's just wonderful, interesting, adorable. He's adorable. He, 95? Oh, yeah, which I, I just realized from this visit, you know, I took, I know he took three bullets in his left arm during World War II. I didn't realize he also took one bullet to his right shoulder, and he doesn't have use of his shoulder, his right shoulder. Because the left arm is so prominent that he can't use it that you don't even realize that he he can't move his right shoulder either because of the wounds that he took in World War II. So, you know, God bless him. He's still hanging around. I think he's in Europe right now doing a tour of Normandy. So, you know, he and, and, and during that night he went from everywhere from the, you know, the Battle on the Plains of Abraham in, in 1757 to the Battle of Somme in 1914. So. And covered a lot of space in between, although the main focus was on the on the Civil War. But this next in in two weeks on October October tenth, we're gonna have Jack Davis. And Jack Davis is a tremendous speaker. He's been on our show more than a few times. Uh he's gonna be talking about Loretta Velasquez, who was a soldier, impersonator, spy, whatever. An interesting story. So if you if you wanna see uh Jack Davis again. Give us a call at 718-341-9811.
718-341-9811. Jack Davis is going to be the speaker, great speaker. Wednesday, October 10th at the 3 West Club, 3 West 51st Street. Dinner at 6, doors open at 530, cash bar. Cost for non-members is $60. But, you know, a lot of times, like I go to the New York Historical Society, and they have a good program there. And you go in there and you hear some great speakers, true, but you don't get a three-course meal. So in here, you get the three-course meal and you get the speaker. And in a lot of cases, you can talk to the speaker after the meeting because they're usually staying in the Three West Club or a neighboring hotel anyway. So they have all the time in the world to, to talk to you. It's an intimate setting. You can walk up and at the end of the, the dinner, you can walk up and ask him a, a personal question. And like the all the other venues are just more formal. It's not that you don't learn anything in there and it's not interesting, but this is informal and so much fun. And you get to meet everybody. We, who knows? We may have some special guests there that night. Yeah, we might. We're hoping to get some special guests, especially <laughs> if you're interested in in uh, maybe seeing the granddaughter of the actor who played William Tecumseh Sherman twice. <laughs> that's a clue. Yeah, that's a clue. So if... Uh, you know, if you're out there and you say, wait a minute, who played William Tecumseh Sherman? We'll give it some thought. And there's one great actor who played William Tecumseh Sherman twice. So his granddaughter may be at the uh, Three West Club on, on October 10th. Now, again, we're going to be doing seminars at the Three West Club on Thursday, October 25th at 11 o'clock and 3 o'clock. The Three West Club is getting to be one of our ha- hangouts, I guess. It's 3 West 51st Street corner of fifth off the corner of fifth avenue so thursday october 26th we're going to be doing state planning seminars at the three west club tuesday october 23rd we're going to be doing seminars in bocelli's bocelli's restaurant we're going to do one at 11 one at three and one at seven and and most of the time i'm not saying all the time but a good part of the time we start talking about what do you do with the house how do you get your house to your kids tax-free how do you get the house to your kids where you don't have to pay nursing home bills. And that is the majority of our conversation. It's not the only part of our conversation. And of course, sometimes people complain to me, well, you're only talking about parents and children. Yeah, I have a tendency to use the terminology parents and children because 90% of the trust we do are between parents and children. Could Could they be this uncle and aunt, nephew and niece, significant other, domestic partners? Yes. Well, we got the little sisters of the poor coming up after our next break. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Adult stem cell research is nothing new. It has been going on for decades and, in fact, has proven helpful in treating various diseases. In the process of this research, nobody has to be killed in order to obtain the stem cells. Embryonic stem cell research, on the other hand, only began in 1998 and does involve killing a new human life in order to obtain the cells. The number of diseases that have been successfully treated with embryonic stem cells is zero. They have shown no medical benefit. And even if they did, such activity is immoral. The end does not justify the means. Adult stem cells have treated various forms of leukemia, sickle cell disease, anemia, and carcinoma. Embryonic stem cells have succeeded in nothing. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome to the Connors Corner, 
segment of Ask the Lawyer. Many of you know a lot of times we deal with charitable organizations, and we like to have some members who, who run the charity with us. And today we're very pri- privileged because we have some members of the Little Sisters of the Poor, Mother Mary Richards and Sister Judith. How are you guys doing today? Fine, thank you. We also have Bob Pape, Development Director. So, Sister, Mother. Little Sisters of the Poor, and, and I mean, we hear a lot of jokes about them once in a while, usually in a positive light, but who are the Little Sisters of the Poor? Where were you founded and when? We were founded in France in 1839 uh, by a woman named Jeanne Jugan, and um, she knew from a young age that she was being called by God to do something, but it wasn't revealed to her really until she was 47 years old. And she came across an elderly woman, blind, paralyzed, abandoned. She carried her home up a lot of stairs, put her in her own bed, and she slept in the attic. And we call that our founding gesture. So since then, the work just took off. Uh, The young women came to help her. Many, many um, poor elderly people came knocking at the door. So her work spread in um, the west of France. And by the time she died in 1879, there were 2,400 little sisters of the poor. In the meantime, um, there were requests from other countries for our work to, to be founded there. So we went to England, Scotland, Spain, Belgium. But by 1868, um, we were able to come to the United States. Now, what was the impetus to bring the order into the United States? It was really um, the request by a lot of bishops and also Catholic lay people who had heard about them in France. And even there were quite a few French priests over here already, like in New Orleans. And they saw the destitution of the elderly over here, especially the immigrants. And so they started pleading with the mother house to send over some sisters. And what cities were you originally, you know, where where did you begin your mission in the United States? What cities? Well, um, we had a wonderful auxiliary priest helping us, uh, Father Ernest Lilly Ever, who was a civil lawyer, canon lawyer, gave his whole life to the congregation. He came over to the United States and he visited several cities. He went to the Archbishop of New York, Archbishop McCluskey, to see if we could found there. And he said, give me time. I have to think about it. So then he went across the river and he asked Bishop Laughlin of Brooklyn and he said, come right away. So that's how Brooklyn became the first foundation, and we're celebrating that anniversary this September. I guess everything originates in Brooklyn, the United <laughs> States. And then after that, you know, we, we went to Cincinnati, New Orleans, Baltimore. Um, by the time Father Lilliever went back to France four years later, there were 13 homes in different cities that were flourishing. Present day today, New York City area. What's your mission in New York City? It's still the same. We welcome elderly poor into our homes, um, and we live in the home with them, of course, in a separate area, but we're we're like their family. And so we admit residents who are low income, have the the least amount of family support, people that can't afford to go elsewhere. You know, the average cost of a nursing home today in the New York City area is about $15,000 a month, Mm -hmm. give or take. So your mission is to take care of those people who can't afford to pay? Right, right. How do you raise money? And maybe I should ask Bob this question. Sure, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we use a variety of methods to raise money. We're fortunate enough to have uh, a very loyal uh, donor base who have identified with the mission of the Little Sisters and readily want to help. Uh, there are people in the donor base uh, who have been giving to the mission of the Little Sisters 35 and 40 years uh, consistently. So it's a mission that people can identify with. It's a a mission that people respond to, uh, both with their time. We have an enormous amount of volunteers who help the Little Sisters carry out their mission, uh, their time, their talents, and, you know, the old tithing time talents, and then their treasures as well, uh, which they give freely to the mission. So without the support of donors, uh, the quality and the level of service just wouldn't be there. Um, as, as it exists right now in Queen of Peace Residence. And where is Queen of Peace Residence? Uh, Queen of Peace Residence is in uh, Queens Village, uh, the uh, eastern part of Queens Village, just south of uh, Belmont Racetrack and Hempstead Avenue. Um, it uh, comprises of about it's uh, about 
eight or nine acres uh, between the residents and the novitiate of the Little Sisters for the Brooklyn province is also located on the property. Um, and it's a, a magnificent uh, respite of uh, uh, gardens and a home um, uh, surrounded by a residential area, which is very vibrant. So it's it 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 shows a lot of life uh, all around, both uh, within and without. And that's uh, the central focus of, of the Little Sisters, the sanctity of life. And they they embrace that every day. Mother Mary, why would a, why would a woman today want to become a member of your order? What, what's what's the rationale? Well, you know, um, we try to welcome a lot of young people as volunteers, and it seems um, as soon as these young women come into contact with the person of Jean Chagan, there's something very attractive about her. You know, um, she's solid as a rock in her faith, saw Jesus in every elderly person, and um, they're very attracted by that example. And also, today, they really want to give a total gift. They don't want to just be mediocre. You know, they could stay out in the world and help people. They could help elderly people. But there's um, the prayer life of the Little Sisters, which is considerable, and, and also our dedication to community, to living together, and then together taking care of Jesus and the elderly poor night and day. And and I think they're they're very attracted to that, the idea that no resident dies alone, if we can possibly help it. The sisters are with them during the night, praying at their bedside. We're taking care of Jesus, and um, they're Jesus to us. It's it's just a beautiful vocation, you know. Now, Bob, you were talking about the sanctity of life. A few years back, Little Sisters of the Poor were involved in a lawsuit. Can you explain that? Well, uh, the... Uh, Affordable Care Act uh, that was uh, proposed uh, had provisions in it which were basically against the uh, the beliefs of the Little Sisters with regard to the sanctity of life and the providing of methods to uh, uh, delay life from happening or preventing life from happening. Uh, and their their dedication to this belief is, is that strong that they challenged it in court. And uh, as uh, the story unfolds, it went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court on the challenge. And uh, the Little Sisters were successful in not having to commit the, their uh, employee health care to certain requirements uh, of the Affordable Care Act. They believed that strongly in it, and, um, and the, the court uh, eventually found uh, in their favor. I know I'm asking you to play devil's advocate, but what what was the reasoning of the Obama administration in putting that provision in there? Well, uh, again, it was I, I would imagine it was the mandate that this is a, a service that's going to be provided uh, to everyone as a uh, as a as a medical option, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of uh, the the organization, the entity that's sponsoring the plan, uh, and that is just something that. Uh, goes against everything that the Little Sisters stand for and believe in. Um, you cannot uh, believe in the sanctity of life and then provide uh, options for the denial of that life. Mother, can you just give us a brief description of the philosophy of the Little Sisters of the Poor as to life? Because I think some people are confused about some of these issues. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, we believe that Human life has an inherent dignity, you know, from the moment of conception till the moment of natural death, you know, and it's it's a whole package, you know, and uh, it also involves showing this respect for the the disabled, the the weak, the vulnerable. So that's really um, become more and more of an issue in our day, right, with assisted suicide, euthanasia, and all that. So. We're conscious that we really have to step up to the plate more and more and be more and more vocal about the rights of the the elderly and the vulnerable. Now, some people would say you guys are not moving with the times. You're, <laughs> you know, you're 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 back in in middle age philosophy or whatever. W- what do you say to those people? The faith is timeless, huh? And and we just have to think. You know, what would Jesus do if he was here in this situation and do it and not be um, worried about criticism or popular opinion, it's, it's fickle. Well, popular opinion is not important <laughs> in your in your religious life. 
that's not part of the equation. Bob, what? how can people learn more about the Little Sisters of Poor? Where, where can they make contributions? Well, the uh, Little Sisters of the Poor uh, is located in Queens Village, as I said. We are on the, we have a website, uh, www.littlesistersofthepoorqueens.org. Can you repeat that again? Uh, www.littlesistersofthepoorqueens.org. And uh, we have a website, a very interactive website, all the latest information about activities at the residence and uh events that are coming up and uh it's uh, an opportunity also to volunteer we uh, a lot of people like i said before uh, want to do something to help out and uh, volunteers are always uh, encouraged to do that um it's a welcoming atmosphere of, of both the uh, the elderly residents and those that come to to assist the, the sisters in carrying out their mission and a lot of times your events are fun you should mention that we we do we do uh, the little sisters know how to have a good time as well. Uh-huh. It's it's uh, it's it's a wonderful time. It's uh, the the events that we have off premises uh, are social events. It's it's almost like the big family getting together to to celebrate uh, uh, during the year. We do it about three or four times a year with different events. They're fun. We have a German night. We have a fifties night, uh, and it's uh, again a lot of people come from year after year, and it's. Uh, a chance to to make new friends to to renew friendships but it is a family atmosphere of people getting together and i know mike you've you've been with us uh, on our german night and it's always a pleasure to see you in the audience and it's usually a, a good time and uh, uh we're we're fortunate that, again that we have people that come out and and support uh, not only to to write a check but they come out to support with their time and they come out to support our events and 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 spend time with each other spend time with the sisters who come uh, so it's 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 an enjoyable experience. All right, what's what's in the future for the little sisters of poor mother? Well, um, in the immediate future, we are having a celebration at Queen of Peace on October twenty fifth. The Apostolic Nuncio is coming, Archbishop Pierre, to celebrate this hundred and fiftieth anniversary. Um, and then we're going to continue our efforts to make our vocation more and more known to young women. We need more vocations in order to keep our homes operating. Right now, we're in a process called quickening the flame, which is kind of a strategic uh, planning. You know, we might have to withdraw from a few homes. We don't have enough sisters if the homes are too big for us to manage right now. But at the same time, look at reconstructing, constructing others so that, you know, our vocational remain vibrant and vital in the United States. Now, if there was a young woman or even an older woman who was interested in the vocation. Same website? Well, actually, I have one that's called Vocations Brooklyn at littlesistersofthepoor.org, and that comes directly to me, and then we can accompany a young woman in that process. Okay. Vocations Brooklyn? At littlesistersofthepoor.org. Bob, anything else to say? No, I appreciate the the time, Mike. Uh, It's uh, a great thing that's happening at the Queen of Peace residence, and... uh, any opportunity to tell people about it um, and ask them to, to be part of it is always welcome. So I, I appreciate the time. Queen of Peace residence, Queens Village, New York. Thank you, sister. Thank you, mother. Bob, thank you for being thank on you, Connor's Corner. Thank oh. you, Michael. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. 
Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Why I stand... Why I Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With us right now is one of our favorite guests, former pro football safety, number one draft pick of the New York Jets, played in the Super Bowl with the Oakland Raiders, and he's got an opinion about current events today. Welcome back, Burgess Owens. Right, how you doing, buddy? Let's put a chat with you for sure. Your audience. Okay, it's always good to talk to you. Now, you've got a book coming out right now. What, what's the name of it? It's called um, Why I Stand. From freedom to killing fields of socialism, and uh, it highlights not only the socialist uh, attack we're having right now, but also what's happening in the NFL. It's a, it's a good read. I look forward to coming out and having some good long discussions about it for sure. I mean, you've seen the commercials with Nike and Colin Kaepernick. I know what your opinion is, but what is your opinion? Well, uh, my opinion is that we need to, as a country, recognize we're we're under attack in a big way. Uh, you know, the, the, and it, it, it's in every facet of our lives now. It's, it's not just the family unit we're dealing with. It's uh, the government. And now we get in entertainment. Uh, and, and I understand for those who, who care about NFL, <laughs> excuse me, excuse me, those who care about NFL, it's not the same NFL that we all grew up with, Al Davis and, and Pete Rozelle and all those great patriotic Americans who either served in the war, who had a real love for our country, and they branded their, their, their company around the American dream. Today, we're dealing with a different breed of people. <clears throat> These are globalists. They're socialists globally. And, uh, and and all you have to do is look at the fact that this is, we've been going three years now attacking our flag, <clears throat> attacking our culture, and they have not yet figured out how to get it right. And all thing you can either come out of this with is either they purposely have not gotten it right or they're buffoons. And I don't think that you're paying $40 million a, a year uh, to a commissioner who's a buffoon. He's brilliant in terms of what his strategy is. And you look at his, his contract, contract set up with $40 million a year for the next five years. Uh, only 10% of that $4 million is guaranteed. The other 90% is based on growth. If they're going to destroy the American market, where is it going to get that, in, that income? And that's basically on the international market. <clears throat> they're looking at uh, increasing their international brand uh, of revenue to $27 billion over the next uh, nine years. So you see what they're doing. <clears throat> they could care less about our country. Globalists care more about profit than uh, patriotism. Leftist globalists care more about their socialist ideology than patriotism. So you now have a, a, a company that is literally demeaning the American brand to become more attractive to China, France, Mexico, Canada, wherever they have these other NFL teams, and that's what they're they're doing. So it's on purpose. Just understand that that's what the left does. They use, abuse, and discard. And as right now, for those who have been very loyal to the Americans, to the NFL brand. You are now, excuse me. You are now being discarded. So that's uh, that's the rest of the NFL at this point. It's a strange world of economics that you're talking about. I guess uh, the rest of the world is probably anti-American from what we perceive Americanism to be. But at the same time, that they're making a conscious choice to some extent of hurting themselves now for the foreign market. Yes, and uh, and understand this is the way these guys do. Um, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to kind of segue real quickly into something more personal to me. Because you have uh, uh, you, you have the the black community that has been so loyal to the leftists, they have for the last 50, 50 years have given out we've given out vote 90 percent 
to the leftists. And every policy that now impacts us in every urban community is based on leftist policies. And you see at that same point, the, the, the most miserable people in our country, the most miserable, hopeless communities are where the Democrats have had their, their strongest uh, influence. And yet here we are uh, where we have 75% of black boys in the state of California cannot read and write. You have 83% of black young teens across the, the, uh, the country unemployed. You see, um, uh, you see every negative uh, uh, indicator that you possibly think of, and yet instead of trying to uh, address it and do something about it and prove it, they now have opened up the waters. They now bring in illegal Americans to take, uh, take the place of those black Americans not speaking the thing out. If they lose their as they use their hold on the black community, they may now bring in a totally different group to do the same. So, so again, it comes down to use, abuse, and discard. So as you see that happen in the black community, you see it also happening throughout our country, the way that, that the democratic left uses our nation and people to make, make them miserable to bring their agenda forward. And so, again, to, to see it in the NFL and to see it in other sports arenas, it's not really – you should be surprised if that's where they do their, that's where they do their thing. Now, do you think the, the, the black American community is waking up, or at least a portion of it, I think, is? No, oh, no question. And, and, and let me just say this, Mike, just, just to give you an idea of, of why I, I feel so optimistic about our future, because if you understand the American way, uh, any community, any culture that's given hope, freedom, and opportunity responds the same way. It was in 1905, remember in 1905, 40 years after slavery, that the little, little college called Tuskegee University, Alabama, all black, was producing more self-made millionaires than Tuskegee, I mean, than uh, Harvard, Yale, and, and, and Princeton combined. So we understand when, as a, as a country, I mean, as a, as a people, what happens when you get excitement and get hope. What's happening now, because all of a sudden jobs are coming back. Education is now being addressed. All those things have now happened that we're not talking about them because of a new president. We have we have 36% of Black Americans that are now pro uh, President Trump. You don't hear those numbers a lot, but that's what's happening. We're beginning to transition, waking up. We're leaving the plantation, and we're leaving that plantation because all it comes down to is we know that we have hope, and the people talking about uh, addressing those issues that are pertinent to all of us. Uh, then then all of a sudden we're, we're drawn to that. So, yes, I, I feel that the black community is coming back strong, and, and we're going to be a, a major game player uh, change in the next, the next uh, uh, few years. Now, in your previous book, you talked about the or- origins both of, of Planned Parenthood and the NAACP. I think it's worth another statement. Let's do that. <laughs> because, uh, again, as you understand, I, I made that little point earlier about the, uh, 1905. Uh, a lot of people don't realize also the first self, self-made female millionaire in this country was a black woman. I met in C.J. Walker in 1915. It was uh, the black community in the 40s, 50s, and 60s that led our country. Keep this in mind, Mike, these numbers. 40s, uh, 40s 50s, and 60s, our, uh, the black community led our country in terms of the commitment of men to marriage, 70%. The growth of the middle class, uh, uh, the entrepreneurs, 40%. Uh, uh, the commitment of men to, to education, all those indicators that show what was going on and where we're heading off to was, was very strong. And then you had the NAACP stuff in. National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. The problem is that it was never started by colored people. It was started by 21 white socialist, Marxist, atheist, race-controlled Democrats in 1910, and they did everything they could to undermine that growth of that very, very aggressive, uh, competitive black community. Their impact, which is basically a bunch of elitists, there's a bunch of elitists. What they've done is turned everything around. But the NAACP, if you look at every policy that they support, they support every single Democratic Party that's policy that's been detrimental to the black community. And I talk about that each policy in depth in my in that book, Liberalism, How to Turn Good Men into Winners, Winners, and Wimps. This again has been a process over time. We're we're in a fight for our culture, our, our uh, the, the, the American way, and we're fighting against socialists, Marxists, and, and atheists. And they find themselves a very strong uh, uh, place within the NAACP. Planned Parenthood. Yeah, Planned Parenthood. <laughs> well, uh, Planned Parenthood right now is responsible since 1973 for 20 million uh, deaths of black babies. Uh, we have a, 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 an organization started by a racist, Margaret Singer. If, if you look at her her, uh, her her statement, she was a racist, she was a Nazi, pro-Nazi, she was pro-KK, and her goal was to find a way to get rid of the weeds, which were black Americans. And by the way, the NAACP, was very instrumental in helping her to get into the black community. So we have a we have now a, a situation where we have 
of the Planned Parenthood uh, uh, Laboratory established in the black community. You have, uh, you have a, a community of uh, 12% of our nation of black Americans. We get 35% of, of abortions are black babies. So not only are we hurting and killing our babies, but we're teaching our young women to not respect the most important thing they can, they can possibly look at to be a mother, and that is their own baby. So what the left has done is literally they've restored our family unit. They've restored manhood. You have men now that will not stand up and protect and provide and lead their families. Seven percent of them now have, have uh, leading their families and their children. Now you have mothers who have been trained to think that killing their babies is, is health care. Uh, it is amazing what they have done, but again, it's what the left does. It use, abuse, and discard and leave people with total uh, hopelessness. And that's why the, the book, this last book I just came out with, From Freedom to Killing Fields of Socialism. Socialism, Marxism, atheism has never, ever been a positive for anybody, any, any country, any society has ever used it. And all we have to do is educate ourselves and see just how, how devious and how evil and how much misery that brings. You start to realize we need to stand up against it and not let the, not let the left turn our country into a, a bunch of socialists, which they're doing very well into the urban community already. Now, you said you're optimistic about the future. Why is that? Well, <laughs> that's a good question, uh, because I, I remember, I, I know my history, and I know that this country was built on Judeo-Christian values. I know our country was built uh, by, and, 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 and it's always been focused on a God in heaven that allows us, as people, to look at each other inside out, not outside in. Every single generation has got strong in that regard, because we have that value that, that that foundation i believe that foundation will will continue to keep us moving forward uh, i look at what's happened with the black community as, as, as devious as the plan has been against us and as, as detrimental as it's been we're coming back i think our nation our country our culture comes down to one simple thing americans whenever we know we're in a fight we win we just need to realize when and wake up when we're in a fight and that's what's happening now we're beginning to understand i think the left has gone so far they're, they're like rabid dogs at this point so far that many fair-minded Americans, whether Democrats or Republicans or Independents, are realizing that something's wrong with what's going on now. So I, I believe in American, I believe in the American way. I believe in the, the Americans that also have made this country great and that we're waking up and we'll do the right thing and make sure we put the right people in office. And fight, let me say this, what's happening right now with Kavanaugh is exactly why we need to fight. These, these, these guys on the left have no shame. They will destroy anything or anyone that stands in their way. And here's a good example. You can spend your entire life, for those of us who care about our character and reputation, just know this. You can spend your entire life doing everything you can to make sure you have a strong reputation. And the left doesn't mind taking any incident just to destroy it, just in a, in a minute, in a second, because it's part of their agenda. So uh, I, I, I'm optimistic. I'm a, I'm a uh, eternal optimist when it comes to our country because I know that, first of all, we believe in the God in heaven, and he's going to take care of us as long as we depend on him. And, uh, and point to him to, to, to find out what. Besides buying your book, how can we support you? Well, <laughs> do that. Buy my book. I'm, I'm coming out with a website pretty soon. It's going to actually show other things I'm doing. I'm working with a, a group called One Heart. It's, uh, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's an organization that helps young men coming out of the juvenile system to not go back in. We have a history right now where 70% of those kids go back. 70% residuals rate. We've gotten it down to 18% because we give them mentorship jobs opportunity and a, and a positive view of, of life. So it's called One Heart Project. I'm, I'm an executive director of the, the, uh, the Utah chapter, and you hear a lot more about that as I, as I come up with my book, because our next generation, my, this next generation is the generation that's going to be the most important to us. We're going to teach these kids how to respect our country again, love our country, and we'll get our country back with them. They're going to be the ones that are going to really be the, 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 the true uh, heroes of our, of our, of our nation. And, 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 One Heart? That's the name of it? One Heart Project. One Heart Project. Yes, the One Heart Project. Okay. Uh-huh. So we get on the website, we just type in One Heart Project and see what pops up? What? Yep. And, uh, and I'm in the Utah chapter. If you want to support our, our chapter here, that five, well, across this country, wherever you wherever you are, find a way to support One Heart Project. And we have these kids that the left is throwing away as trash. We see them as our treasure. And they're going to learn what our country is about. And once they get it, they'll never go back. Just like me. I'll never go back to be a Democrat. Never. Ever. Okay. So I got it. Thank you for that. Burgess Owens, Why I Stand. Thank you for all the work you're doing. It's really appreciated. Thank you, Mike. Let's do this again, buddy. We Let's will. To it. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. Okay. You know, I, I remember a prior conversation we had with uh, Burgess Owens, I, I maybe earlier this year, maybe last year. 
But we're talking about Colin Kaepernick and Tim Tebow. And, you know, you t- Tim Tebow has a better winning record as a starting quarterback in the NFL than Colin Kaepernick. But yet nobody ever spoke a word about how Tim Tebow was discriminated against because he was a Christian. And he, you know, of course what uh, Burgess Owen says, well, in 10 years from now, Tim to- Tebow is going to be successful at whatever he does. Colin Kaepernick's a loser. But, well, you, know, you know, I, I think still it's a point worth making. One of my friends sent me a picture, you know, everybody fussed when Tim Tebow took a knee. Right. You know, so Colin Kaepernick. No, I, it is calculated. I don't, I just don't think these things, we have a whole bunch of people that are supporting bad causes. And God bless Burgess Owen. You know, he should be the role model, you know. Yeah. Well, let's hope Tim Tebow makes it to the major leagues with the Mets. <laughs> now, now Absolutely. David, David, David Wright, you know, tonight's his last game if you're listening to on on oh. Saturday. So God bless David Wright, too. God and, bless him, too. You know, I'm sure he'll be successful with the rest of his life. Um, it's a sold-out crowd. Yeah. Just hope, well, of course, some of you are going to be listening to the show next week. Uh We'll know what David Wright did. But, I mean, you know, his perseverance in coming back, and, and and I know it's been a tough haul. And sometimes I wonder why is he coming back for one game, but I guess he's doing it to prove a point. He's a good guy. And we need to support the good people. That's the problem. All these, I think they're they're not nice people, and they get supported in the press and everything all the time. We need to talk about the good people, and if you're out on the street, say something nice about them, and don't be afraid to say something. I know you get attacked a lot of times these days for talking about maybe the the nice people. Right. If, you, well, if you're not PC, you can get in trouble. Well, let's root for Tim Tebow to make it with the Mets Ray. next year. You know, he actually he's made tremendous improvement over from when he started till today. He's a long way from being able to play in the major leagues, but he's made a lot of improvements. So I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against him. He's not going to give up. No, and if he plays in one game in the major leagues, that's going to be a tremendous accomplishment. Absolutely. You know, a guy who played in uh, major league, National Football League, and Major League Baseball. Not that many people have done it back in the '30s. It was not that uncommon, but, of course, seasons were a lot shorter back then. The football season didn't interfere with the baseball season. And there were a number of you know ballplayers who played both in, in the major leagues and pro football. Like George Hallis, in fact, was a right fielder for the Yankees in the, uh, in the teens. Now, some people are saying, who the hell is George Hallis? <laughs> well, he was a famous football coach for the NFL for the Chicago Bears. Okay, David Kincaid's telling us to go home. Bye-bye, everybody. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this song away. We are gathered. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this song away. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.